Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. We got a lot to get into today, so I will... I will give you the floor here. Uh, you and I, we went to Cooperstown on Tuesday. It was your first Cooperstown experience. So uh, I, I wanted to let you give out your thoughts on seeing Cooperstown for the first time. So uh, I will I will give you the floor. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, it was everything, everything I expected. You know, we we really kind of we covered it all um, and, you know, visited, you know, got got to every plaque pretty much that we that we wanted to get to and um you know i think i I think the biggest surprise and my favorite part was the like 19th century baseball section that they had on that um on that second floor i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. that was um that was something else like the the baseballs they had from that era the uniforms and uh, what else yeah baseball's uniforms they had like these uh you know the tickets that they had and the season passes that they had from that from that era um yeah that was uh that was particularly something else absolutely yeah it was a great time uh my fa- I, I wanted to tell the story on the on the program but uh my favorite part of the entire trip was we were on the third floor of the building and as you enter one of the rooms on the third floor, there's this, there's this little screen exhibit that I've been to the Hall of Fame probably between five and ten times. It has never been open. Uh, it was open this time, so I went immediately right to it, and it was showing like little these little videos of uh the you know the old stadiums, and we were watching this video about Comiskey Park, and there was some kid like probably like this 10 year old kid that was like, that was just standing there with us watching. And Chris turns to him and he goes, you know how the all-star games tonight, the first all-star game was held here at Comiskey park in 1933. And it was, it was such a funny moment. Cause like, I would expect nothing less from Chris to just, you know, start dropping some facts about the, the first all-star game, some random 10 year old. Yeah. I mean, he walked I, away like right after. He was not very amused. I just I felt like he needed to know that, and I don't know. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't uh, take that information. I I bet he didn't tell anybody. You know. Uh, but it wasn't included in the virtual tour of the stadium, which is was surprising to me. I think that's kind of a big deal that they just never never got into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that, that's a funny moment, but um, yeah. yeah, I just I could not I could not say it. I, there were a lot of things I wanted to say to just random people 
uh, walking around <laughs> random information uh, that I knew about that the average person doesn't Chris, know about. Chris was contemplating going over to the information like desk and being like, why, why in John Montgomery Ward's plaque did you not include that he created the first player union? Yeah, right. Uh, like like the random 30-year-old who's working there is just going to be like, my bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't think we didn't think this through when he was inducted in the 1960s. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the Hall of Fame was great. Yeah, everything I expected, and uh, yeah, looking forward to going back whenever uh, whenever that's a a possibility, Absolutely. or whenever that comes up. Um, but uh, yeah, we were also there to. Uh, look, see the all-star game. Well, not at Cooperstown, but you know, I was in New, I was in upstate New York because we were going to watch all-star game festivities. Uh, home run derby, Pete Alonzo, uh, repeat champion. Uh, I guess some, there were some surprises uh, out of that derby. Yeah, um, I feel like a lot of it felt underwhelming and i think most of that has to do with the fact that Olson and joey gallo both lost in the first round um shohei versus soto was great that was awesome uh you know it was it was jock versus vlad style where it went into a swing off um soto went three for three in his round so you know it would have been tough for shohei to beat that but i mean everything about it was great yeah other than that right yeah uh in the first round all the higher seeds or although technically yeah lower seeds uh one it was mm-hmm. you know five set five six seven eight uh all one and then it was alonzo versus soto and then mancini versus uh story and yep. uh yeah I'll, like alonzo just completely dominated the entire time and a lot of it had to just do with his pitcher putting it in the same spot every single time yeah when uh when mancini won the last round there was not one single pitch uh in like his preferred zone every single pitch that alonzo got throughout the entire night was right there uh you could visibly tell that every single person was gassed past the first round even shohei in the uh and soto in like the 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 tiebreaker rounds like Pete Alonso did not look phased at all, and it was pretty obvious from the second he started against Soto that he was winning the whole thing again. Yeah, I would I would imagine that's probably because he wasn't taking full hacks uh, mm-hmm. and just, you know... I remember when uh, Giancarlo Stanton won the home run derby, he was saying like he was taking 80% swings and uh, getting the ball out at a at a consistent rate, and that's kind of what you need to do. Uh, but yeah, any, like it just, yeah. Alonzo, it was Alonzo from the beginning to the end and, uh, he was able to take it home. And yeah, it's a funny thing. He's, he's made more, he's made more from the home run derby than he's made in salary earnings from Mets so far. Exactly. He's made 2 million from the derbies and I think like 1.4 million total from the Mets. Yep. At least, uh, at least during his MLB career. Mm-hmm. doesn't include his uh draft bonus but yeah uh that that's pretty uh pretty funny also shout out, shout out to trey mancini as well uh yeah. you 
know, cancer survivor, went through the first two rounds, did very well in the finals too. I think he had 22 in the finals, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, both Vlad and Mancini had 22 in the finals against Alonzo. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's pretty interesting. And that was kind of the home run derby. Uh, you know, Shohei hit six home runs that were 500 feet. Uh, Soto hit one 520. That was the high of the night. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of absolute tanks in that, in that derby. Yep. The, uh, the elevation definitely brought out the, the home run distances. Yeah. The, you know, did. extended home run distances. Um, but yeah, uh, Pete Alonso won that. Uh, you know, we didn't see like Gallo was probably the most disappointing performance because he, I think he only got 19 or something like that. Yeah. Yep. And he's someone who's right up there in the, you know, barrels and exit velocity, uh, exit velocity leaderboards. And Brian Kenny said it before the broadcast. He was like, this, this is the only guy that's been playing home run derby his entire career, but that didn't, uh, that didn't work out. That was kind of, kind of disappointing. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all for the home run derby all-star game. There wasn't not really much to observe there with the all-star yeah, game. I mean, that was kind of the all-star game. I mean, Shohei was obviously awesome. The whole, the whole event, felt like it was centered around Shohei Otani. Uh, and I, I'm not opposed to that. I, I love it. I mean, like, this is, you know, Shohei Otani is probably the best thing to happen to the sport in our lifetime. So, you know, you got to run with this. Like, we talk all about MLB marketing their players. It would be kind of wrong if we were like, all right, enough with the Shohei Otani stuff. Uh, no, I'm all in on this. And, I mean, you know, there was also, like, a, you know, a side of Vlad because Vlad won the – MVP, he had a moonshot off of Corbin Burns. Um, that was pro- that was probably the highlight of the All Star Game was Vlad just hitting an absolute tank. Yeah, it was uh, that was a long one, for sure, and it it looked like it was further than 468 feet too. Off the of uh, bat, it was perfect. They were interviewing Tatis when it happened. Like it was, it was the perfect moment. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that was bad was when they mic'd up Xander Bogarts for his at bat, and he said three words total. Yeah, I think what on the was, what were they thinking there? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And then there was then there was Liam Hendricks mic'd up where he didn't know he was live, and he was like, and he was swearing after every pitch. Yep. <laughs> that was good. That was that um, was a good time. Yeah, I mean, what a. I think like did by the way, did you see the ratings too? Uh no. It did like this all the All Star game peaked I think at like nine million viewers, and it crushed the NBA All Star game and the most recent Pro Bowl. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that baseball is a dying sport that all the all the analytics nerds are ruining. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, most think... watched first half ever on MLB TV. Uh, the ten most watched days, the four most watched games, uh, percentage is all up from 2020, barring you know, uh, there might be a bit of an asterisk there, but regardless, more people are watching baseball. Uh, it's it's growing, and also like the, you know, MLB partnering with the Players Alliance was also huge. That came out of the weekend. That was big. 
yep. out of the week, I should say. That was big. Um, yeah, baseball, baseball's in a very good spot, and I think that's the takeaway from this year's All-Star game and probably every All-Star game. But, I mean, I think this one in particular, it really showed that we're in good hands. Yeah, and yeah, you're right that the that the All Star game seemed very centered around Otani. It was basically the uh, the Otani game. Yeah, because I mean, like, like every every player in the press conference was like, "Well, I mean, come on, how about Otani?" They're like, "I know that you're doing great and you're here, but I mean, how about Otani?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "How, how, how does you're it not feel, out there doing both?" How does it feel to be <laughs> right? Exactly. Why aren't you doing both? You know, you're a great hitter, but you're basically half the player that Shohei Otani is, and you're not even as good of a hitter. <laughs> yeah, you have a lower OPS than Otani, and you have 67 less innings. <laughs> why? Why is that the case? Why are you the way that you are? Uh, yeah, it it was, yeah, completely centered around him, and uh, it was great. I mean, it's it's the year, yeah, it's the year of Otani, and you know, mm-hmm. probably this is you know, this is not going to be the last year where it's like this, uh, most not. likely. Hopefully not. Uh, so, Joey, let me ask you this. How, like, even this, this can go beyond Otani. This can be Vlad. This can be Tatis, Acuna Soto. Like, I was thinking about this yesterday with, with what's been going on over the last couple months. How, how close do you think we are to someone not named Mike Trout being the best player in baseball? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think, um, what's interesting is I think Shohei Otani has become the face of baseball in a few short months. Uh, cause well, I we've, mean, we've, we've known for a while face of baseball doesn't equal best player. Yeah. So I, I think he's gotten on that, uh, train. I mean, like it's, it's interesting. I think Shohei Otani has the greatest chance of taking that crown. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how Mike Trout does post uh, injury. I assume it, he'll do just as good as he, as he was doing, but I think, you know, I think that that debate is going to be taking place uh, during this upcoming off season. Yep. And uh, I think if Shohei is able to do what he's doing, uh, this year, next year, I think I think Shohei takes the crown. Uh, in terms of other players, they're probably going to have to do more on offense, uh, con- considering Mike Trout is probably going to have the same offensive production. So maybe it's a thing where, like, yeah, in order to um, take the crown for Mike Trout, you have to have a guy who uh, does similar numbers offensively to Mike Trout and also pitches. That's that's <laughs> might that might be what you have to do. Yeah, so you don't you don't see like Tatis surpassing him anytime soon. Um, actually, Tatis maybe because of the base running and uh, the defense, even though he's had a bad defensive year. But I think, I think yeah, I I, I did say defense like as much as we don't use the eye test, like defense is really more about the flashy plays. Like that's how most people get evaluated. It seems right. And I think I think that the eye test is a little more acceptable on defense than it is on offense because, like, there is more there is kind of a lack of reliable defensive metrics. Like, you know, outs above average. You know, no one. You know, it's only been around for a couple of years. Uh, we can only go back 2015. Um, you know, UZR and eh, defensive run save. There's there's you know everything has its has its flaws. So I think that's probably 
uh, why the eye test is a little more uh, acceptable, I guess. Yeah, there's but... there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing that I rely on that contributes to like wins above replacement in terms of defense. Like I I only look at outs above average, but that's not included in how they're uh, how much wins above replacement they have. But uh, yeah, I I think yeah I think um, someone who can take that crown in the next year is Shohei Otani. But I could see like Tatis being considered better than uh, better than Trout in maybe 2023. But I think someone who could take that crown in 2022 is uh, Shohei. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, you know, like I think the reason why Mike Trout has been the best player for so long is because he's been doing it for so long. You know, like players have had better years than Mike Trout. We don't consider them better than Mike Trout. You know, uh, mm. Mookie Betts was better in 2018. Uh, you know, you could argue Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger were better in 2019. We weren't saying that they were better players overall. You know, uh, there you do have to do it for a bit of a longer period of time. Uh, you know, you have to have a couple better years than Trout in a row, I'd say. Uh, yeah. You know, Tatis is probably, you know, Tatis had the better year last year, probably. Uh, he's probably, he's going to have the better year this year. Uh, I'd say if he, I'd say if he blows him out of the water in 2022, then yeah, we could be looking at Tatis being a better player than Trout. Right. Yeah. And when I, when I look at, um, when I think about like best players in baseball, I usually think about the past two years. So mm-hmm. what, like, like a, yeah, a two year stretch, I usually think about, you know, I, I wasn't thinking, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't thinking Betts was better than Trout based on 2018. I wasn't thinking Harper was better than Trout based on 2015. Cause also Trout, you know, when Betts won uh, MVP, Trout was second in that MVP yep. vote. And when so, Harper and when Harper won MVP, Trout was also second in his MVP vote. Yeah, so it's uh, it's tough to do, but yeah, I mean, I could see someone taking over that crown uh, in twenty twenty two, and I feel like Trout's had that crown since like twenty thirteen, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say 2014 because after 2013, I probably would have said Miguel Cabrera. Yep. You know, he was coming off back-to-back triple crown threats at least. I think the only thing that stopped him from winning it in 2013 was Chris Davis hitting 53 homers. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say 2014. That was the first year that he won MVP. Um, but yeah, you could def- I mean, you could probably argue 2012, 2013 as well. Yeah. So you know, nonetheless, he's he's had this for well over half a decade. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, now we can get into the uh, our last trade deadline breakdown yep. of each team. Um, so we've done the AL, uh, AL West and NL West. We've done the AL Central and the NL Central. And uh, now we have the NL East and AL East to go over. So we'll start from bottom, bottom to top in the NL, uh, even though they're, you know, not the worst team out of out of these ten teams. We'll start with the uh, Miami Marlins. What do you got on Miami? This is this team is very weird because I'd say the Marlins are the best last place team I've ever seen. Yeah, there's a solid argument there. I think like I don't I can't picture a team. I mean, positive run differential. Uh, one of the best run differentials in the division. 
uh, and they're in last place. And t- you know, when you look around the roster, like they are pretty solid. Like their bullpen is very good. Their starting rotation is strong, even without Sixto. Their lineup could definitely use a bit of a tweak here and there, but you know that they have to be in last place for a reason. Um, honestly, this team is in very good shape going forward. They only, you know, they're only free agents this coming off season. The only one that really matters is Starling Marte. I would hope that Kim Ang uh, deals out an extension to him going forward because realistically, I mean, I think you can give Starling Marte like a three-year deal for maybe like 15 mil a year, probably a little more, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think you need to really roll out the the massive money truck for Starling Marte. Right, and he's yeah. He's been one of the better players in the league the past couple of years. Um. You know, and also Yimmy Garcia is a free agent. Maybe that's someone you look to re-sign. He was great in 2020. Uh, I'd say if you're going to trade anybody, I'd say trade Richard Blyer. He's uh, he's 34 years old going into R3 this offseason. He got a little bit of a late start to his career. He's going to be uh, a free agent after 2022. Like I've said, he's 34 years old. Uh, he's been performing very well this year, and that's a team that – that's a guy that could probably – uh, do well on another team, uh, and I think the Mar- and I think he's replaceable on the Marlins. He's just another reliever, which they have a a good amount of that are performing well. So, um, yeah, I'd say if you're gonna trade anyone, trade Richard Blyer. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, going on the Marlins being like the best, the best last place team ever. Uh, I mean, how many last place teams would be? top seven in the MLB and starter ERA that's yeah. where that's where the Marlins are they're seventh in yeah. in starter ERA they have and they don't have six though like they have Alcantara Lopez uh you have Trevor Rogers who's been breaking out this year and then you have eventually six though and I mean none of those guys have entered Arby yet which is amazing all yeah all of them are 25 or younger I mean I could see the Marlins rotation being the best in baseball by 2023 2024 yeah. yep like that is you have guys that are already established uh as very good pitchers in their age 23 24 25 seasons yeah and also, uh, miguel rojas has a vesting option at the end of the year i've tried looking it up i don't know what it is but uh he's also on the record saying he wants to be a marlin for life so uh, i see no re- and he's 32 you could probably you know if he's on the record saying that you could probably get him for less than I'd say seven million a year. Yeah. Right. Right. He's not someone who's too valuable. Um, yeah. Adam Duvall also has a mutual option. Uh, I would say hop on that. He's a power hitter who uh, can be very useful. You know, he's a, he's your three hitter going forward probably. Yeah. Uh, my, yeah, my takeaway with the Marlins was, yeah, you you leave uh you leave, you leave all the starters alone. You look at dealing out uh, bullpen arms like, you know, Garcia, even uh, Dylan Floro, or uh, Richard Blyer. Yeah, Richard Blyer, he's uh yeah, Richard Blyer is a is an interesting uh interesting pitcher. He's got one of the highest ground ball rates out there, um, and uh, two four three ERA on the year and yeah i think i think uh teams in general would be really looking for someone like that he's similar to like uh a victor gonzalez or adam Kalerik of the dodgers or formerly of the dodgers 
That's right. Uh, just a lefty who can get you ground balls. And, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine he's some type of specialist towards, you know, only lefties. I can probably look at his years, his uh, splits from this year. But yeah, he's, he could be very valuable for a playoff team uh, coming up. I mean, the first team I always think of uh, just for, you know, personal concerns is uh, the Red Sox. And I'm thinking like, who do they have? What lefty arms do they have? I mean, they got uh, Darwin's and Hernandez, but he's more of a, a strikeout pitcher. I think, you know, a team like the Red Sox might be able to use someone like him who can, who pitches to contact doesn't necessarily live on the strikeouts or walks. Uh, let's look at his splits, right. Uh, versus uh, right-handed batters and left-handed batter. He's a little better against the left-handed batters. Uh, left-handed batters have a 512 OPS right-handed batters have a 619 OPS against him, which is still very good. Um, but yeah, um, I think Blyer could be very, very valuable for uh, someone. And I think the Marlins should take advantage of what he's been doing. They've already traded uh, Adam Simber. So they already did that. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking you try to get what you can out of like, yeah. Yimmy Garcia, Dylan Floro and Richard Blyer. Um, I don't know what they'll do with Starling Marte. I think since Marte has been, struggling as of late you kind of you keep him because his value is just tumbling downward uh he's just been on a on a major slump uh as of late so i think you just kind of hold on to him and yeah like you said duvall might might uh be able to help another team out but yeah anything, anything more on the marlins um I think that's about it. You know, I'd say you're in an interesting spot where you don't necessarily have to sell because you have a very good team, even though they're, you're in last. Like, this is a team with brighter roads ahead. Uh, I mean, I would argue by next season, if they have a good offseason, we could be looking at them as the favorites in this division. Yeah, there's a very strong possibility. And one guy I forgot to mention, uh, Jesus Aguilar, I think – Maybe they can. He's, uh, uh, he's he's a free agent after 2022, but he's your three hitter. Like if you're gonna compete next year, I wouldn't trade your three hitter. Yeah, it's just a question of yeah whether they uh, whether they compete or not. Leader in uh, National League leader in RBI this year. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of funny how that works out. A guy with an 800 OPS. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that does it for the Marlins. Now we get into. Uh, the next National League East team to talk about, uh, the Washington Nationals. There's one one glaring uh, guy you can you can look at there. Yeah, uh, this team has a lot of free agents, mostly because they signed a lot of one-year deals uh, last offseason. Um, obviously, Max Serger. You're probably going to trade him. Realistically, you know, the end of his seven-year, two hundred ten million dollar contract is coming up. Um, We'll talk about Max Scherzer's deal eventually, but I mean, uh, I mean that's probably that's one of the big contracts that works out. Uh, at this point, you might just take the mutual option on Kyle Schwarber because I mean he's been going off this year, even with the injury. Um, Brad Hand is a free agent. Max Scherzer is a free agent. Starlin, uh, Will, Starlin Castro, Daniel Hudson, Jan Gomes, John Lester, 
Alex Avila, Josh Harrison, Ryan Zimmerman, Jordy Mercer, Luis Avian. Uh, I don't really know how many of those people are trade-worthy. I'd say if anyone, maybe Castro. Anyone needs yeah. a second baseman? Yeah, I was thinking uh, Brad Hand, even though Brad Hand. he Hand is uh, elected as savant, bit of a volcano. His, mm-hmm. his uh, ERA is in the mid-twos, but his uh, expected ERA is in the fours. So teams, I don't know if teams will, will be cautious or not, with that i remember when the biggest example of uh someone who was you know not good peripherally but extremely good uh you know with on the field stats was shane green two years ago and i don't think the i don't think the braves had to give that much for a guy who like had an era in the ones just because you know it didn't look very sustainable especially based on uh, peripheral statistics so that might be a situation with hand where the national <clears throat> the nationals aren't going to be able to get a great prospect out of that but uh nonetheless they should they should see what's out there for him you know especially if you're not going to be a playoff team which it's looking like that's not the case especially when you have uh your best bat pretty much or not your best bat but you know uh Kyle Schwarber yeah uh you know not in the lineup uh, just uh, just now. So, yeah, that's what they should uh, be looking at. Anything um, more on the Nationals? Here's something. I got I to gotta adjust my mic here a little bit. Um, and Trey Turner is going is a Super 2, and he's going into his fourth year of arbitration uh, this coming offseason. So, I mean, do we see a trade of Trey Turner in the offseason? I don't think it happens now. Um, you know, do we see, you know, a team like capitalizing on a player's value with one year left in his deal? Uh, that's the problem. I mean, if, if they're not gonna, if they're not gonna have Scherzer next year, I mean, this is a time where we talk about the nationals potentially rebuilding. I mean, I think 2019 was probably their, like probably their last run with their core, even, even without Harper. But that was their last run with, you know, uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, yeah. uh, Rendon, and uh, but I mean, I guess they did have some guys with control, but that was kind of their their last hurrah, maybe. And may- maybe it's time yeah, to rebuild. That's certainly, uh, it might be. I mean, I I it's very weird to tell Juan Soto that, especially because. You know, sooner than later, like he's, I think he's ARB eligible next. I know he's already gone through his first year of ARB and he's a super two. So he's got control until 2025. But I mean, depending on how quick that rebuild goes, like you might be pushing Juan Soto away sooner than later. Yeah, which is uh, pretty that's, unfortunate. That's to worry about because you've got to, you do have to figure out what to do there. The Nationals are in a very weird spot because. I don't like. I was very down on them this year, and they've kind of surprised me a little bit. But I, st- I don't know what I really think of them going forward because Steven Strasburg can't stay on the field. Uh, Victor Robles hasn't necessarily developed like he was supposed to. Josh Bell isn't having, isn't doing what I hoped he would do. I had him having a 40 home run season. Hand up, that one's on me. That's not happening. Uh, Patrick Corbin has blown up in their faces. Like a lot of things have gone wrong on the field, and it leaves them in a tough spot right now. Yeah, all those factors are reasons why 
you know, they're under 500 this year. Uh, I think you would have to convince Soto, you know, if you trade Scherzer, they're going to get, I, I would hope, I would hope for them that they get a very good prospect or a series of very good prospects uh, out of that. And if they trade Trey Turner, same thing. I mean, those are two extremely valuable uh, assets to have. So you have to get uh, what you can uh, out of those players. So you'd have to convince, you know, this is in, in a few years, we're going to have a, but, we're going to have a very good roster. But, you know, the Nationals are paying Max Scherzer 42 mil this year. That's obviously 42 mil that's coming off the books. Uh, fortunately, it looks like up until 2024, they're not going to have to increase salaries to any of the big uh, contracts they have. Pat, uh, Steven Strasburg's deal is literally just 35 mil every year. Then Patrick Corbin's is 24 mil, 23, 24, and then 35. So up until 2024, you don't have a big increase. So maybe, maybe you look towards a trade turner extension. I think that's, I think that's what they're gonna do. I think they're at least going to try for a trade turner extension. Uh, so yeah, they're probably. I don't think they trade him in the offseason. Now that I said that, I think if they trade him, it would be at next year's deadline if they don't extend him and they're not contending. Right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that would probably make sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Nationals' future is kind of is pretty much up in the air. I mean, you know, they, they kind of treaded water in the off season with uh, a series of one year deals, like what, what they got with uh, Kyle Schwarber and trading for Josh Bell and, and signing Brad hand. John Lester. It was, it was uh, you know, they kind of treaded water in, in this off season, you know, seeing where, where they're at this season, it's not great, especially considering uh, Strasburg's injury. So, uh, yeah, future is kind of up in the air for the Nationals. Um, and s- speaking of teams where their future might be a little up in the air, uh, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, what are we? What are we thinking about this team? I mean, we talked well, about them a little bit last episode. Uh, they're buying. They're still going for it, which I respect. Uh, they traded for Jock Peterson last night. Uh, he's a probably a rental deal he is a mutual option uh i think depending on how he plays in atlanta uh we'll see if that gets picked up or not but you know you're gonna have acuna back next year if anything you could have peterson take ozuna's spot in the outfield uh barring the potential dh who knows what's gonna happen there but um i mean this team's buying like good for them like they're still going for it yeah uh they yeah they did get peterson I could see a, <clears throat> a situation where if the Braves uh, struggle in the next two weeks and are further behind in the National League East race, where maybe they change their mind and uh, and trade some pieces off you know, from their Major League roster. I think the only guy, if they were to sell, that they could get something out of was, would be uh, Charlie Morton. Yeah, I don't think they're – I mean, they're not trading Freeman. Yeah, they're not going to trade Freeman. You know, they have to focus on re-signing him this offseason. Um, this is a team – let me see. Their rotation on – I mean, they've been better than they were at the start of the season. Their bullpen is very – eh. Uh, I mean, they have – what? Who do they have in that bullpen? It's they like got Shane Will Green. Smith. They got Will Smith. They have uh, AJ. Luke Jackson. AJ Minter, Minter, Chris Martin, Tyler Matzik. 
Uh, their bullpen overall has a 4.58 ERA on the season. Uh, they have a 4.21 FIP and a 4.40 XFIP, uh, which is, you know, obviously it shows they've been getting unlucky, but still, I mean, a 4.21 FIP isn't by all means, by any means great. Right. Um, that's that's a bit of an issue. The lineup, I mean, the lineup's gone through a lot this year. Uh, you know, obviously Acuna's hurt. Um, Ozuna is done. Uh, Travis Darno got hurt, and he's done for the year. Um, this is a, they have a depleted lineup, and that you know that's why they got to run out Ira Andrianza. That's why they got to run out Guillermo Heredia. That's why they got to run out uh, Abraham Almonte. Like this is this team is very clearly not what it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, they've gotten extremely unlucky. Uh, even I, don't know, on... I really don't see them doing much because they've already, you know, like I just mentioned, they've already patched up some of the holes that they have. You know, they got they got Peterson to replace Acuna. They have Abraham Almonte to replace uh, to replace Ozuna. Um, who do they have catching? Do they have William Contreras? That's probably yeah. they're gonna run. They're gonna run with William Contreras because he's young. Uh, which you know, I get that. Um, they also have Kevin Smith, who they purchased from the Rays. Uh, yeah, this is this is not a very good look for the team right now. Yeah, they've been uh, extremely unlucky this year. You know, they've had injury and just performance issues from uh, guys on the starting staff. You know, Max Fried uh, is, you know, not what he was in 2020. Uh, you know, they expected to have Mike Soroka back this year. Unfortunately, that's been... Uh, a disaster with with his Achilles so you know that's someone you expected to have back but he's not he's not back um and yeah like those are two of the top uh two of the top uh starters you expected to have there and they're not there it's just been an, an incredibly unlucky year from uh Atlanta and you know I don't know if the front office is going to base a lot of this year's performance on how they handle, uh, you know, their future. But, you know, I I don't see much happening this year for the Braves uh, at the trade deadline unless maybe they get a bullpen arm or two. Yeah, uh, I, it's it might just be that, a bullpen arm or two, like you mentioned. Um, I don't see it being, like, I don't know, who's the biggest name reliever out there? Um, I mean, the biggest, biggest name, uh, Kimbrell probably. Yeah, I don't see them doing that. I mean, the the reunion cool. I don't see it happening. Right. I don't. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's like a couple of like band aids. Right. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Nothing too crazy. Um. All right. Now, uh, we can get into the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I think my question on the Phillies is, how serious are they about this year? I think that it all depends. It all depends on that because I think their holes yeah. are, are kind of obvious. But you know, how serious are they? Uh, they could use. I mean, I will say, you know, obviously, obviously they need bullpen. We all know that. But uh, I will say, Ranger Suarez has come up big for them this year. Uh, he's he's kind of the closer now. He had a seven out save in the last uh, day of the first half against the Red Sox. He's an 0.77 ERA. Uh, left twenty five year old left hander. Uh, he has emerged this year big time out of the system. Uh, but, yeah, they still need bullpen. You know, Jose Alvarado hasn't exactly cut it. Archie Bradley 
Uh, he's been all right. Same with Hector Neris, but you know, it's, it's still a problem. Uh, the Phillies have the 27th highest bullpen wins above replacement. According to fan graphs this year, they have negative uh, 0.1. It's an issue. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of surprising that they've been able to, that they're still in a playoff race, uh, given their, you know, their offense is also underperforming. Uh, I mean, they have a team OPS plus of 98. That's obviously uh, below average. They haven't got what you would expect out of guys like uh, Didi Gregorius or Alec Bohm. There hasn't yeah. been any any major, you know, positive performances from uh, the Phillies lineup outside of maybe Bryce Harper. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they've had really one well, one I mean, very Hutchins been pretty good yeah he's been good i think uh, i think the lineup like maybe the lineup could use a couple touches but like i'd say if they keep the lineup as is it's not the end of the world but if they keep you know zach wheeler can't carry the whole rotation aaron nola has been struggling and now i believe he's on the COVID il uh matt moore i that blew up in my face that was bad that was very ugly on my part um and then, you know, Zach Eflin and Vince Velasquez, you know, Eflin's been decent, but that's not that's not enough. Yeah, Eflin's been good, but, I mean, Zach Wheeler's really been the only uh, very good starter. I mean, uh, like, the there's Wheeler and Eflin are the only uh, starters of the five that have an ERA plus above 100, and Eflin's is only 100, 101, so yeah. it's mostly Wheeler. You know, the, the holes that they have are, are pretty obvious is in the pitching staff uh, and both sides of the pitching staff in the bullpen and uh, in the starting rotation. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a question of how serious are the Phillies? Uh, are they going to – are they willing to drop some – I mean, I don't know how – if their farm system is even good enough to drop uh, heavy prospects to uh, – heavy prospects to uh, get some big name starter, big name reliever. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Um, they're three and a half games back of the Mets. I mean, this team realistically could, could go places. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the unique situation of the NL East. No one's, no one's been great and no one's broken out quite yet. I think the Mets have been doing, kind of what you would expect them to do uh, with the additions they made, but they have they not just happened to be in a depleted division. Yeah. Yeah. Normally they would be a second place team uh, looking at the wild card, but they are uh, leading that division. So, you know, it, I, I know the Phillies are now run by Dave Dombrowski. So, you know, if they were, if they have good prospects to get rid of, he would, he would not be afraid to uh, do that. But also as Red Sox fans, we know Dave Dombrowski did not believe in the 2019 team, which is why he didn't do anything at the 2019 trade deadline. And, yeah. you know, in reflection, that was the correct thing to do. Maybe that's a thing that he does with, uh, maybe that's something he does with the 2021 Phillies. And maybe he it depends on if they if he believes in them if he believes he can win that they can win that division or uh, if he doesn't believe that. Um, we kind of got to run through the the rest of these teams. 
yeah, that's that's what you need to know about the Phillies. Uh, now we get to the NL East leading New York Mets. Uh, um, and full health. This lineup is really good. They just haven't been at full health. Uh, almost everyone is back except for J.D. Davis. But right now, I mean, Nimmo, Lindor, Smith, Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto, VR, McCann. Like, this lineup is kind of complete right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, they don't really have, like, statistically, if you look, you could say maybe we could have some improvement at second base. But, yeah, McNeil hasn't been exactly healthy. But, I mean, I guess you could put him in the outfield if you wanted to get a second baseman. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just been a, an unhealthy lineup. I think, uh, what they could use, I guess, is a bullpen depth. Uh, you know, they, they have a, a good closer in Edwin Diaz, who is uh, 19 for 21 in save opportunities has a one eight nine FIP. Uh, but out, outside of that, it's nothing too great. I believe they are, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't, I don't know if I can go back and uh, get the number, but I think they were 13th or 14th in, in team reliever ERA, which, uh, you know, it's a sign that they need some bullpen depth outside yeah. of uh, Edwin Diaz to, you know, just support him. So I think that's something um, they can look at. I mean, honestly, if JD Davis is not going to come back, like, the Mets are in a situation where, you know, why not just go out and get a big name like a Chris Bryant? Yeah, Chris Bryant. Exactly. Like, Why not? I mean, you have the pieces to do it. Uh, it would it would make this it would make this team legit. And I mean, you could still, you know, you can he can be replaceable next year when he's gone if you don't resign him. Uh, and, you know, this is the first year of Steve. You know, if Steve Cohen really wanted to make a fir- big first impression, like go for it. Go, go get Chris Bryant and go win a world series. Right. Exactly. I, I did put down three potential names that they could go out and uh, potentially get uh, for, you know, at the trade deadline in terms of bats they could get, especially, you know, you could arguably get uh Frazier with the struggling second base and outfield situation. Cause Frazier can do both. You can get Chris Bryant, as you know, JD Davis has uh, not been able to play this year really, and they got Jonathan VR over there, and you could potentially get Joey Gallo, especially with the struggling outfield. I mean, you look at uh, you know not a single outfield spot uh, outside of you know Brandon Nimmo, who's played 31 games, has an OPS plus of a hundred or better. Every everyone's been below average, so I think um, I think. Yeah, they could get someone. They could also get an outfield bat like Gallo, and I'm pretty sure uh, Jason Stark in one of his articles on The Athletic mentioned that I think the Mets were one of the most rumored teams uh, looking at Gallo. So that's a situation, you know, we've thrown, we've attached Gallo to a lot of teams that could use him, but the Mets might be an actual uh, realistic option. Yeah. Uh, All right, so... That does it for the Mets. I think, yeah, bullpen depth and potential bats are what they could use to uh, improve their chances in the playoffs uh, if they do, in fact, get there. All right, now we go to the bottom of the American League East uh, with the Baltimore Orioles, who have been 
underrated in, in how bad they've been. Yeah. <laughs> they, yep. They've been right down there with the with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what you can do with the with the Orioles. Uh, I don't either. Uh, there's one option I look at. I think you can see what's out there for uh, Trey Mancini. I think I, I don't know how. I think he's either uh, a free agent after this year or after 2022. After 2022. And he's someone who's uh, had a pretty good year. He's he's always been um, he's always been pretty valuable as an offensive player. And I think uh, he's yeah he's someone someone he's someone a team could use uh, potentially if they miss out on a on a bigger bat. Yeah, Mancini's got a you know 791 OPS. It's not quite what it was uh, earlier in the year, but he's a free agent after 2022. Obviously, the Orioles aren't going to be competing in 2022. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I don't think. I don't think it would be something he would take personally. I mean, I know he's been uh, positively received in Baltimore after his comeback, but it probably would be even better for him if he was uh, given to a competitive team. I think I, I may have mentioned this on the show, but I'd say someone who you can maybe uh, try to get some names for. I don't really know how much you could actually get from him, but maybe Pedro Severino. Uh, he's a free agent after 2023. He's currently in his age, I believe. He just turned 28. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be entering his 30s. Um, I don't know how much he's really got left in him, but if a team is in any sort of need for a catcher, I'd say maybe maybe you go out and get uh, Pedro Severino. I'm trying to look at what teams would need that. Um, actually, the Orioles have the worst production out of catchers this year, so that's not great. Um, <laughs> I mean, Atlanta – I mean, if Atlanta's really this serious about buying – and Travis Darno's out. Maybe, maybe that's a guy. Yep. Maybe that's what. He yeah. Knows. There's potential there, but outside of uh, outside of them, not really much. I mean, Cedric Mullins is under control through 2025, so I think that's someone you keep around. Uh, you you don't sell on him immediately, given that he has four more years with the team after uh, after this year, so. Yeah, I think you keep him around. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, John Means is injured right now. So I don't know if teams would be uh, digging in to get him. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, out of their bullpen, I'm not sure. Tanner Scott has a 278 ERA, but you know, only 26. He's probably got a lot of team control. Uh, yeah, not uh, not too much out there. No big names uh, from the Orioles that could be uh, traded. Do we want to move on to the Toronto Blue Jays? Let's do it. Uh, starting pitching. Yeah. And and a couple bullpen arms, but the lineup is, is where it needs to be. Um, yeah, I mean, you need to get starting pitching. I mentioned Michael Pineda on the last show. I think that's a good option because... Uh, you know, he can eat up innings. He can, you know, he's, I think he's not too high of a cost. I think he's perfect. Uh, Robbie Ray has exceeded expectations. Shout out to me. Um, Hunjin Ryu has been slumping, but, you know, they just go through slumps. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I'd say, yeah, the Blue Jays are a few arms away uh, because I think they're still, they can still absolutely make the playoffs. 
Uh, and if there's, like you mentioned, if they're serious about it, you go out and get some pitching on both sides. Yeah. I, the, the one thing you need is, is pitching. Um, even though they've been uh, surprisingly uh, kind of efficient in the pitching department, their, their team ERA plus is 112. But uh, I don't know. It's, bit, it's not what you expect. I wouldn't expect. Uh, I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be same. that. I wouldn't have that be what stops you from going out and getting pitching. Yeah, because you look at the names and it's uh, not not the yeah. best. And yeah, they've had some bullpen injuries early in the year. Uh, yeah, I think you get some bullpen arms. You get a starter. I mean, I don't know. You you're definitely not going to get one of the more high profile guys, probably unless it's maybe uh, someone with control through next year um then you then maybe you get one of the bigger guys because your, your chances of competing next year are uh larger uh especially you know in in the wild card and potentially division so yeah blue jays is pretty simple you need you need a uh, pitching that's kind of been the theme for the last couple of years with uh with toronto if you can call them toronto at this point <clears throat> all right now, uh, the Yankees, probably yeah. the biggest story at the trade deadline. Uh, pretty obvious. I mean, the Yankees, they're a World Series of bust. They're a big market team. Go out and get Joey Gallo. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, you know, there's, you know, I think there's also some, you know, touches that can be made to the starting rotation. None of them have to be major, but if you really want to go out there and make a splash, go get Joey Gallo and have the most free true outcome outfield of all time. <laughs> imagine having judge Stanton and gallo in an outfield right yeah i think uh i agree the yankees should go big uh at this trade deadline yeah, they um, have to. one a guy i i actually uh started convincing myself was a perfect fit for the yankees is uh adam frazier because mm-hmm. uh he's you know the yankees have struggled at second base and in the outfield and Adam Frazier can help out with both of those. He can play second place, second base and outfield. Um, their regular second baseman this year has been Rugnet Odor. Uh, Frazier has a 397 on base percentage this year. Odor has a 291 on base percentage this year. Also, Frazier could benefit from the Yankee Stadium home run. He has uh, Frazier only has four home runs this year, but you know, baseball savant has what his expected home runs are at each ballpark. So he has 10 expected at Yankee stadium uh, compared to four this year, not saying that he would have 10. Well, he would, he would have 10 if he played every game at Yankee stadium, but you know, the Yankees, the Yankees don't play every game at Yankee stadium, but he would have more. You'd have a couple, let's say you'd have like two extra this year. Yeah. He'd have a, he'd have, he'd have some advantages in the slugging department Mm -hmm. at Yankee stadium. I think, uh, I think he'd be a very good fit considering their second base and outfield situation. Gallo obviously would be a very good fit in that small ballpark. And um, I think, yeah, I think they, they need another uh, starting pitcher as well uh, outside of Garrett Cole. We did have a segment on how good they were as a, as a rotation, but things have changed a lot in the, in the past couple months. Surprisingly, Um, you can't go every single star without giving up a run. uh, Yeah. Right. So. You, you can't. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not sustainable. Um, um, this I would be worried, honestly, though, because 
if this year doesn't work out, you have one more year until Judge Sanchez and Chad Green are all free agents. And right. I know the Yankees are, you know, the Yankees, but do you really sign them re-signing Judge and Sanchez? Um, no, I mean... Because Judge is going to ask for a lot, and he's, you know, he's probably going to get a lot from somebody. Doesn't matter if it's the Yankees, doesn't matter if it's another team, but... I mean, do you really see the Yankees, you know, giving a mega deal to Judge and also giving Sanchez probably at least a hundred mil? Uh, I mean, I don't know. If, like, how good has Sanchez been? I don't think he. This, I mean, he's been surging lately. Maybe, yeah, okay, maybe a hundred mil is a stretch, but I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd say the floor would be like sixty mil. Yeah, that especially as a as a catcher where you don't get offensive production like that from from that position mm-hmm. uh mostly i'm trying to look at uh trying to look at the yankees roster right here sanchez oh yeah sanchez has been pretty good this year 785 ops from uh the catcher's position yeah yeah he's been good yeah he's someone that could get a, a decent amount of money um in the um we'll have in, to see though in that because, off I mean, season you're talking stanton about and, stanton and cole are both I think through 2028 or something like that, maybe beyond then. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, the Yankees are, you know, their World Series a bust this year. And, I mean, go out and get Gallo by all means. But, I mean, beyond 2023 is where the question marks are. But we don't need to talk about that yet because it's not 2023. Yeah, I also think what's unfortunate for them is uh, what were their, their big prospects have kind of lost value in uh, – Davy Garcia and Estevan Floreal. And Clark they've... Schmidt even. Like the only big prospect they really have is Jason Dominguez. But I mean, I don't really see him being up by the end of 2023 when Judge and Sanchez are still guaranteed to be there. Yeah, I don't I don't see him uh, being on the trade block either, given his uh no, 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 no his no. status. Um so yeah. That's the Yankees. You kinda have to go big. See what you can yeah, see see what you're uh, able to get uh, with with the bats. All right, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, what are you thinking about them? Well, I know what I want from them, but I know it's not going to happen. Um, I was... want them to go out and get Nelson Cruz. Right. Yep. I want them to do it. I don't think they're. I mean, he's you know he's 41 years old. He's got uh, a decent contract. He's a rental. Um, he would be, he would, you would put him in the Rays lineup and he's the best hitter in that lineup. Uh, and I think that's what yeah. the Rays are lacking is having that guy. You know, they have a lot of pretty good hitters. They don't have that guy that you, that you're intentionally walking people, that you're intentionally walking, really. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, that would be the obvious choice. You, you know, their uh, DH, DHs have been uh, underwhelming. I'm trying to look for uh, the exact stats on where their DH ranks are, um, but it's been that. it's been pretty underwhelming. I know it uh, when we were searching for teams like the uh, Athletics, they were um, they were I think the Rays were like 12th in the AL in DH uh, OPS. So I'm looking to get that uh, now and. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be the obvious choice. Yeah, Rays are still a uh, twelfth in DH OPS in the American League, 
uh, with the athletics Rangers and Tigers behind them. Not Why the, does it say that the Braves have 63 games listed with a DH? Yeah, I'm just on the splits leaderboards where it's like... That's odd. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't go that direction because it can be anyone that was a DH at one point and like their total oh, games. Okay, okay, okay. So, I, yeah, I just looked at what they had like at when they were a DH at that time uh when they were listed as a dh for that game um just looking at that so yeah the the uh, rays were our 12th in dh ops and it would make complete sense to get nelson cruz i think also they should look at some cheap starting pitcher options given that uh tyler glass now is not going to be returning for a little bit maybe not even for the rest of the season so i think they should look for uh Someone cheaper. I don't see them going after Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson's making close to like 10 million this year. So I don't see that happening. Um, and yeah, I don't know what they would get, but I can't think of a name, but a cheap start and pitcher option. Uh, I think the Rays should be looking at. And yeah, the obvious hole is uh, their designated hitter. But right. Um, you know, it's uh, it's expensive to get one of those especially someone like nelson cruz all right lastly uh the team that is leading the american league east the boston red sox uh what are you thinking about this team uh what i want well i mentioned uh going out and getting robbie grossman because the red sox have the lowest walk rate in the league and robbie grossman walks a lot and he's also under a two-year deal he's in left field which is uh that fills the hole that Marwin Gonzalez and Danny Santana have in left field. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that, A, because I don't think the Tigers would give up a guy with multiple years of control in, in their lineup. Uh, and also, they just called up Jaron Duran, who is probably going to take that place anyway. So uh, the thing that a lot of people have been saying is go out and get Carlos Santana for those same reasons. Um, and then, obviously, that takes Bobby Dahlbeck's spot out of the lineup, but, you know, he's not been... He's not been exactly what we hoped for. Uh, he's still young and he's still, you know, got time to grow and he could learn from Carlos Santana. I'd say that's, you know, that's kind of what people are looking at. Yeah, Santana uh, is an option. Yeah, and if and if they have Duran, I guess um, outfield depth wouldn't be what they're looking for. I think general pitching depth also uh, should be looked at, uh, at least in the bullpen. I think that's something they should look at because i think um potentially there's there's potential for overworking guys like uh garrett whitlock matt barnes uh you know darwin adam Adovino. those three main options i think there's potential to overwork guys like that especially come playoff time so i think another reliever would really help uh with that and with the starters, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm not too confident in uh, Pavetta, Richards, or Perez starting a playoff game. So no, not either. I mean, I'd say yeah, definitely get another starter because right now, you know, assuming Sale comes back, you got Sale, Lavaldi, Rodriguez, who are the only guys who I somewhat trust. Yeah, and yeah, we trust Erod because he's been unlucky this year. Uh, Sale, and yeah, I mean. 
you 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 can't you also can't bank on sale being completely healthy uh no you you can't it's not a 100 guarantee it's probably yeah, i mean he's probably going to be healthy you would imagine given he's had a, a good amount of recovery time but also i mean i don't know what how many innings he's going to be able to throw uh i mean if he comes back around august then maybe he'll be able to comfortably start a playoff game but you never quite know so and you won't and you definitely won't know come trade deadline time so yeah i think uh another starter should be looked at um and i wouldn't mind them getting someone who has a decent amount of control too because you know someone who could help out the the rotation for next year would would be nice as well you know a a gibson type uh would be interesting even though i see a little regression from him uh which Mm -hmm. would fall into the red sox hands if they got him so uh yeah anything more on the Sox? no i gotta head out though so uh chris you're gonna close the show and uh all right see you later all right goodbye to daniel curran we'll see you on uh We'll see you on Monday for uh, our next edition of Above Replacement Radio. Uh, yeah, Daniel had to head out. I had to start things a little uh, later because there were uh, some people at my house that uh, left that usually leave around 10, 15, 10, 30. So we started at about 10, 15 and Daniel had to head out at around 11, 30. Right now it's 11:24, so he had to head out all right so uh now we get into the preview of the weekend ahead i guess i'll i'll uh, cover both bases you know series to watch and uh pitching matchups to watch uh in you know for some reason a lot of the pitching matchups are still to be determined oddly enough um but you know series to watch uh, nothing or, oh yeah, you got to watch white, white Sox Astros, um, see if the White Sox can get, uh, you know, vengeance for the Astros sweeping them, uh, in four games and do doing it very easily. So I think that'll be an interesting series to watch. You know, we've talked about the White Sox not doing too well against very good teams, so uh, that's something to watch. Uh, White Sox versus Astros Friday. They've got uh, the Astros have announced McCullers, but the White Sox have not announced anything yet, which is weird given that it already is Friday. I, I mean, I'm, I imagine they're throwing their number ones out for the most part uh, to start the series given, you know, the all-star break has happened. So yeah, White Sox Astros is probably the biggest uh, series to watch and i mean pitching matchups it's hard to say because there's a lot of tbds still and uh I'm, I'm not scrolling through social media to see uh who uh who's been announced so yeah nothing too great i mean uh tonight you got kevin gosman facing uh the cardinals and i believe gosman had a no hitter going into the seventh the last time he faced them so that's something to watch. And yeah, there's, there's not much, uh, out there on, um, who's been announced yet, which is unfortunate, but luckily I'm not usually, uh, put on that task for this show. So 
what what are you going to get out of me? All right, so that does it for Above Replacement Radio, episode uh, 133. Uh, we hope you enjoy this one. If you uh, are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, look at uh, you know the playlist, the history series, uh, the history series, you know the chronological history series in time. You know, you can go from, you know, if you're interested in the players, you can go from Hannes Wagner to uh, Albert Pujols just as a as a series on its own. So that'll be a, that could be a fun option. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow uh, Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Monday where we are talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.